Welcome to our podcast, Big Tobacco Messed with the Wrong Moms, a Parents Against Vaping e-cigarette podcast. My name is Dorian Berman. I'm Meredith Berkman. And we're the wrong moms. We're really excited to welcome to our podcast today a Native American mom who is a tobacco control educator and advocate, Ray O'Leary. Ray is a member of the Turtle Mountain Band of Chippewa. She conducts research and leads public health initiatives for Missouri Breaks in Eagle Butte, South Dakota on the Cheyenne River Sioux Reservation. And it was her leadership that influenced her tribal council to pass one of the strongest smoke-free air policies in Indian country. We know her as a partner and as a friend. We actually met in July 2019 when Dorian and I and our sons and Ray and several others were witnesses in the congressional hearing in the House Oversight Subcommittee investigating Jules' marketing to teens. Ray, thank you so much for joining us. It's great to talk to you again. I think we'd love to start with you telling us in your own words what you testified about that day in Congress in July 2019 about Jewel. Yeah, certainly. Um, It was quite an experience that we had uh, back in 2019. I believe it was the month of February. Um, I was just at my office. It felt like another day. Um, I had a colleague text me that the Tribal Health Committee um, had some people from Julie who were trying to pitch a smoking cessation program. And because I um, do the bulk of the tobacco education and cessation work on the reservation, they thought I should be present during this meeting. So I get down there uh, and it's actually Jewel, the company, uh, pitching to offer us, it was under the guise of a smoking cessation program um, with large sums of money that would be given to the tribe to give their product uh, free to patients who are are cigarette smokers. Um, They wanted to use actually the healthcare system, which is pretty um, absurd to me as a um, healthcare professional. Uh, But the the plan was for them to give um, $600,000 to the tribe and free Juul product where clinicians could give out their product to smokers um, in, in the guise of helping them quit. But uh, the research is very clear that that's not how um, how e-cigarettes are meant to be used, and that's not how they work. They are not very successful at helping people quit, um, and it was just a ploy for Juul to get their product um, in the hands of our um, tribal population. There's a lot of history behind targeting of um, who the tobacco industry views as vulnerable populations, and this is one um, very clear example of that. I would want to unpack and and then go back. Number one, I would love to know a little bit more. So as if we were in that meeting with you. First, I was just trying to get my bearings of who are these people? Why are they here? What are they? Why are they pitching an e-cigarette as a smoking cessation device? So it took me a little bit to realize what was happening. But as soon as I did, I was just hot with fire um, thinking like, oh, my gosh, they have no idea what they're up against. And we are going to fight this as hard as we can. This would be so detrimental to all of the years of work that we've done to prevent tobacco, commercial tobacco use um, and promote people to quit on our reservation. Uh, so the room was full of tribal council members, probably about um, oh, six or seven of them. There were three representatives from Jewel, 
One of them was actually a member of our tribe who they hired to, to work for them. Um, and there was a variety, maybe five other individuals that are in, were in the room for other reasons. And uh, they had a presentation slide that was um, up at the front of the room. They had packets that they'd, they'd sent out to everybody. And a lot of their claims were illegal by FDA standards. So they were claiming that their product could be used for smoking cessation, and that's not allowed because it's not a FDA-approved device for cessation. They also claimed that um, their product was, you know, a safer alternative to smoking, which, um, again, there's no research that, that supports that. Um, and they were misrepresenting a lot of uh, data um, and science to try and convince the tribal council members that this was a good thing for, for our community. You understood right away, you understood instinctively that this was unethical and predatory. I mean, it, it, it just, it was just blatant to you, right? Yeah, you know, right away, I just, I, I wasn't sure who they were at first because the meeting had already started when I walked in on it. Um, but as soon as I saw the Jewel logo on one of their slides, I thought, okay, I know why they're here. And yes, I, I did in that moment know that this was um, predatory, that they were targeting a sovereign nation um, with money. And obviously, um, it's pretty well known that many uh, tribes are living in poverty situations. So, um, bribing with money just seems so unethical. Um, and not only money, I mean, it's dirty money. It's um, They're selling addiction for, and they're not even selling it. They're giving away addiction to our um, to our people who are already a vulnerable, um, who, what they see as a vulnerable population. I guess I see us as a, as a very resilient population, but um, it's no surprise that uh, to probably to Jewel, that Native American people have high rates of um, addiction, especially tobacco use. So I think it wasn't an accident that they uh, stumbled into our council chambers to to pitch this idea. Right. I mean, I love how you say, you know, you're a very resilient population because it's, you know, it, it's so true. And yet what Jewel sees is the vulnerabilities. You know, that's why they came after kids as well, because they know that in order to addict someone to any substance, you have to start young. And the younger kids start smoking or drinking or vaping or anything, the more likely they are to become addicted. So they were very, they were very methodical about that. Absolutely, yes. Um, and I'm just looking back to my notes from the testimony and a, a few of the quotes um, from their presentation slides and also from what they said verbally, I have some of it recorded actually. Um, Elimination of combustible cigarettes is crucial to reduce risk of harm. Um, other things would be improve the lives of the world's 1 billion adult smokers. Um, they also state um, when, when they were asked about nicotine and um, targeting youth, they diverted the question and their answer that we're looking at, um, at a lot of different tech solutions to help address health issues. So health issues can be solved and harm can be reduced. Um, when it's very clear that e-cigarettes actually contribute to health issues and addiction. Of course. Um, and again, they said that they are all, Juul is ultimately a tech company, not an e-cigarette company. They were selling a product um, that they were claiming was not going to uh, addict new customers. You know, it really is amazing when you think like the reason that we got into this and ended up testifying alongside you and talking to you today 
is that I'll never forget in April, 2018, and we've talked about this story on the Parents Against Vaping E-Cigarettes PAVE podcast before, my son came home, then 16, and he said there was a mixed message presentation at my school today. And he proceeded to tell us that this supposed educator uh, alone with a group of kids, because the school thought that it, he came through an anti-addiction group, told the kids that Juul was not for kids, but repeatedly said it was, quote, totally safe. And it is just so shocking. I mean, your example is almost more shocking, because what you have just described is making you know, not only baseless claims, but the duplicity of bringing someone from the community into approach and offering, uh, you know, free, um, free product. Do you know of other examples where Jewel did the same thing in other tribes and other states and other tribal communities? Yeah, actually following the testimony to Congress, um, Jewel was, their hand was turned uh, to to answer some questions, some really tough questions from uh, the committee. And one of them was the extent of the targeting to Native American um, tribes. And their response, I believe, was either seven or eight tribes received similar presentations as we had. Um, I believe some of them were targeted to casinos rather than the healthcare system. And they were throughout um, the United States. They also stated that they made um, that they approached a, a number of other tribes that they weren't claiming how many there were because they said no official meetings were ever held. Um, so really, we don't know the full extent of their efforts to um, invade sovereign tribal nations with um, with their product with Jewel. Uh, but we do know that um, there were multiple other efforts, and we had heard, you know, through the grapevine before the testimony um, to Congress happened that other tribes had been targeted as well. And when we reached out to individuals from those tribes, uh, we couldn't find anybody to talk, and it, no one would ever confirm or deny that it happened. We just really kind of got passed on from one person to the next, and we couldn't get any straight answers. Um, it's my belief that some of these tribes may have signed a non-disclosure agreement um, that actually was attempted with our, our tribe. Um, what happened is they, the tribal council said they weren't ready to approve anything after Jewel's presentation, and they requested for Jewel to um, respond with something in writing of what they were agreeing to. And Jewel sent a message to the tribal attorney who um, ba it basically said that the health committee um, approved this, and we need you to sign this non-disclosure agreement before we can give them the written copy of um, of our plan. And that wasn't true. Health Committee did not approve that. And thankfully, that lawyer um, checked with others and found out that it wasn't approved and the non-disclosure agreement wasn't signed. Um, but it leads me to believe that other tribes may have uh, signed non-disclosure agreements about their experience with being targeted by, by Juul. And do you know if there were specific targeting of, of youth, of underage um, on tribal land? You know, that's a good question. Um, and that's something that one of the council representatives asked during that meeting. Um, they said, you know, we know that e-cigarettes are commonly used among youth. And um, what, do, what are you doing here to prevent that? Um, because if we're giving this away through our health clinic, it's ultimately going to get in the, in the hands of minors. And Jewel stated, and I quote, we have never purposely marketed to children. 
Um, and then they diverted to reduced harm, stating, quote, if you look at the larger bucket of literature, there are clear studies that document reduced harm by switching from combustible products to e-cigarettes. Um, so there's a lot of diversion anytime youth came up. Um, and they made it clear that this program was only intended for people 18 years of, and older, um, that e-cigarettes wouldn't, or Juul, wouldn't be given to anyone who was a minor who was addicted to regular cigarettes. Um, but we know how it works. If if grandma or auntie or um, an older brother or somebody has access to that e-cigarette, the kids will get their hands on it. They're they're curious and it's in their nature to to experiment. So um, the more there is in our community, the more we know that youth will be using it. Especially flavors, right? That's the whole issue. As long as flavors remain on the market, kids are going to get their hands on these things. Um, I, I guess it would be really um, it would be really helpful also for you to sort of outline for us what is the sort of historic targeting of the of tribal communities with big tobacco. Yeah, so it shouldn't be a surprise at all that uh, Jewel showed up to target um, our population because this, like you said, it's it's historic. There's um, many publications and um, articles that document the historic um, targeting and exploitation and marketing um, of Native people when it comes to the big tobacco industry. And this dates back years. This dates back to, you know, the 50s. I've seen plenty of old um, ads that have, you know, the classic chief on it or uh, messages that are very clearly targeted to um, Native American people. Um, the other thing that the tobacco industry has done historically is, you know, promotions at um, events on on reservations like casinos, um, rodeos, powwows, things like that, um, sponsoring tribal events. Um, it's not uncommon to have seen giveaways, discounts, coupons, free samples um, given out by the tobacco industry um, directly to Native American populations. Um, and I think, you know, the, the biggest thing, kind of like Jewel did, is building those alliances with tribal leaders. Um, I think that it's uh, it can be seen as, you know, a partnership if, if uh, somebody's willing to give big money to a tribe. But um, ultimately, we have to look at the intention behind that money. And um, we know that, um, unfortunately, the, these alliances are um, don't have the best interest of the tribal populations. Um, so, like I said, it's no no surprise. Anyone could do an inter internet search to see some of the um, very sad um, marketing that's happened to this population. But I will say that I don't think um, this marketing is unique to us. I think that what the tobacco industry, their what their playbook is, is finding people that they deem vulnerable. Um, it's not only natives, it's also um, people who are black and the whole uh, menthol issue. Um, fortunately, we haven't seen a particular flavor marketed to um, the Native American population that I'm aware of, but there are certain brands um, such as Natural American Spirit um, that has an image of actually a sacred pipe um, with a, a the very classic um, Native person with a headdress on. Um, and they make false claims on their packaging about the product being 100% additive-free, which the average person, person reads as addictive-free. Um, and we know that, you know, every time there's a powwow in the area, these products sell off the shelves. And this, this company buys end caps at Walmart if there's a powwow in Rapid City um, because people, unfortunately, think of this as um, a safer 
um, alternative to maybe like a more classic Marlboro. Um, but, you know, the imagery, the use of the names, the false claims about being healthier or organic or additive free um, are all ploys to get Native American people hooked on on nicotine. Tobacco does play um, a role in, in the sacred life of Native Americans. Um, maybe you could explain that a little bit. And, and then I would be curious to know if that sort of complicates the education and advocacy work and if Big Tobacco tries to use that fact that this is a sacred object in their, um, in their, you know, uh, inimitable, insidious way to message that uh, the use of tobacco products commercially is a good thing? Oh my gosh, yes, yes, and yes to those questions. But to expand a little bit, um, so traditional tobacco um, is something that not all, but I would say most um, tribes have in their history and their culture. Um, and it's not always the tobacco plant. Um, it can be other plants or mixtures of plants that are grown and har harvested and used by Native people. Um, generally, it's used for ceremony, sometimes medicine, sometimes prayer. Um, and unfortunately, um, not too long ago, you know, it was illegal for Native people to practice their um, cultural and religious beliefs. So in that time, uh, individuals were using commercial tobacco uh, in place of traditional tobacco for ceremonies and prayers. Um, and of course, because commercial tobacco is so addictive, uh, many of them became addicted to, to the substance. And I think that it's uh, this is not a secret to the tobacco industry or the e-cigarette industry that Native people um, have this uh, these plants that they use for um, cultural purposes. Um, but unfortunately now, there's so much misuse of commercial tobacco in traditional ways. And it, it, it totally complicates the education message, um, and which is why generally anytime we do education, we have to distinguish between commercial tobacco and traditional tobacco. And we have kind of our own local uh, movement going, I guess, to reclaim the use of traditional tobacco and educate our community that, you know, breaking a cigarette when you see an eagle or, um, you know, using cigarettes in, in ceremony is not our true tradition, and we need to get back to um, these traditional plants that are not um, harmful, they are not addictive, they're not intended to be inhaled, um, it's just the smoke that is used for the ceremonies. So, um, so it's a very complicated history, but it's one that the tobacco industry knows and absolutely exploits to get more Native people addicted to nicotine. And how do you educate young people about this, the fact that, that your sacred traditions are being exploited by tobacco companies. Um, ha, is it something you do at school? Is it something you do at, in, in the home? How, how does that education look? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the hope is that this is something that happens in the home. It's best if it comes from the elders and the adults in, the, um, in a youth, youth's life. Um, but I think knowing that that's not always the case in homes, we have taken that message to schools, and it's a sensitive thing to to talk about, um, but it's something that needs to, to be out there. So we have a, a display case, actually, that we take around, um, and one half of it is the chinshasha, which is our local um, word, the Lakota word for the traditional tobacco that we use here. Um, it's actually just a bark of a tree that's, um, that's shaved off. 
so we have this display case that shows that true traditional tobacco. We let the kids smell it and touch it and feel it and experience um, the difference between that and, for example, you know, loose leaf tobacco that is commonly used in, in our community um, that's full of chemicals and stinky and, you know, full of black tar. Um, and I think that it's something that really empowers the kids because so many of the kids here really crave that, that culture and those teachings. Um, and it's something that they can then take home and say, hey, Grandpa, did you know that, you know, we're supposed to be using chinchasha instead of, um, you know, this red man or the natural American spirit when we have ceremony? Um, so it's really been a powerful experience. And um, I'm not an expert by any means on this, but I have some wonderful mentors that are part of the Chunli Tobacco Coalition here on the Shine River Reservation. They have kind of guided that message to make sure that we're doing it in a um, appropriate um, and respectful way. That is so lovely. I mean, it's, you know, I think, you know, it's always great to get back to one's family traditions and to have this culture which had been lost for a little while and, and to be able to discover it again is, it's such a wonderful thing. We're so thrilled to have met you and, you know, to work together on this issue because all of our kids deserve a healthy future. So thank you for taking the time today. And we look forward to collaborating across the country on all these issues together for a long time to come. Likewise, thanks so much, Dorian and Meredith. Thanks, Ray. Do you have a teen or young adult at home that vapes? This is Quitting is a free and anonymous text message program designed to help young people quit vaping. Teens and young adults can text Ditch Vape to 88709 to sign up today. That's provided by Truth, the National Youth Tobacco Prevention Campaign from our partner and sponsor, uh, the Truth Initiative. It's the first of its kind program that helps young people feel motivated, inspired, and supported while quitting. More than 150,000 young people have enrolled since the program launched in January 2019. The messages include evidence-based tips and strategies to quit combined with real feedback from young people. Again, teens and young adults can enroll by texting Ditch Vape to 88709. Truth Initiative also offers free text messages for parents who are helping their children quit vaping. I myself enrolled in this program as well and would get different ideas and tips to help support my son. You can join the program by texting QUIT to 202-899-7550 or by visiting becomeanx.org to sign up. To learn more about Truth Initiative and its programs, visit truthinitiative.org.